0: The thing about Bruce Willis is that I get the sense that now, at this point in his career, if Bruce Willis senses a movie is shit, he won't try, but if he senses
1: it's good, he will try. And when he tries, he's good. So welcome to Fresh Films, where a podcast devoted to new movies coming out in Evanston. I'm Marco Carlano. I'm Mark Scagliano.
2: I'm Elliot Kronzberg.
1: And today we're going to be reviewing the remake of the 1970s film Death Wish, starring Bruce Willis, directed by Eli Roth. Eli Roth, known for kind of gory horror films
2: like Cabin Fever, Green Inferno, Hostel. So, where do we want to start with this film? Let's start with the synopsis. If you're
0: familiar with the 1974 film directed by Michael Winner, starring the immortal Charles Bronson, it's basically the same setup. you got Paul Kersey, he's sort of a upper-class, white-collar kind of guy. He has a wife and daughter who are assaulted during a home invasion, his wife was killed. In the previous incarnation of the film, his daughter was sexually assaulted. And it's sort of implied that she is in this one as well, and as a coping mechanism, Paul Kersey becomes a vigilante in his respective city. In the original, it was New York, and now it's Chicago for relevancy points. But he works at
2: like it's Northwest. Evanston. Yeah, he he lives. Yeah, he
0: lives in Evanston. They, they name it by name. Like, he's not in Chicago. It's it brings to life the meme, "Bruh, you're from Evanston."
1: Yeah. So they move it to Chicago, because now Chicago is the city most infamous for gun violence.
2: They make reference to that a lot. Throughout the film, there are these radio commentators. Local radio personalities. One of
1: them is a conservative shock jock personality. The other one is Sway in the Morning, who's I guess more liberal, and they have them debate the validity of vigilante justice
0: in a very, very lazy attempt to give the conflict some dimensionality and it doesn't work at
2: all. If I remember correctly, the conservative shock jock kind of likes what Paul Kersey's doing and then Sway is like, no, this is not the way to solve our problems. Well, they're
0: trying to make it a red versus blue thing, but in the original film that's not really the interesting part of it. The more interesting aspect of the story is Paul Kersey's transformation from a mild-mannered intellectual into a remorseless vigilante. That's much more interesting, and they sort of try to address that in this film. There's one good scene around the third act with Bruce Willis and Vincent D'Onofrio where they sort of shout a little bit of light on that but that scene is sort of emblematic of a lot of the problems with this film the few times they hint or point at something sort of interesting they either never bring it up again don't explore it fully enough or just disregard it completely
1: and i just think that like all of it is really divorced from bruce willis's own character arc you never actually see him internalizing any of the conflict that is supposed to be presented by the Dueling narratives or any of the emotional grief or what he's doing. It's mostly him kind of going through the motions of what he's doing, increasingly getting better at it.
0: It all feels very forced and obligatory, to be totally honest, because the logic being sort of. Charles Bronson kind of sort of did this in the five previous Death Wish films, only one of which is good, and only another one of which is ironically good,
1: and they just say, do that, but it's very. Lazy. Lazy can apply to a lot of things in this film, mostly to Bruce Willis. Oh boy. Bruce Willis does not care in this film. He's kind of miscast from the start because he's supposed to be this upper middle class doctor who's like supposed to be kind of a bleeding heart liberal, but he's Bruce Willis. For the entire duration of the film, you don't really see him emoting, which is pretty bad because he has some dramatic and dramatic scenes in the film. There's only like a, a handful of times when his facial expression really changes that much.
2: He doesn't really seem to care about anything. It's not really a red blue issue. It's like a what Bruce Willis cares about and what he doesn't care about, and the only thing he cares about is killing people once his his wife is killed. Going
0: back to what you said Marco about the casting. Yeah, you're almost counting seconds until Bruce Willis goes on a ramp. It reminds me a lot of the later Death Wish sequels with Charles Bronson. It's like Alright, we're counting the seconds, what's going to be the inciting incident to provoke him to go on a rampage? I feel like it would be a much more interesting casting to maybe pick someone who's always been typecast more as like an intellectual, kind of less militant type, maybe like a John Hamm or a Michael Keaton. And also, going back to what Margaret said about Bruce Willis, the thing about Bruce Willis at this point in his career is that I've gotten the sense that as Bruce Willis goes into a movie now, if he senses that the movie is bad, he won't try at all and save for maybe two, maybe three scenes in this film. Yeah, he doesn't care at all. Like you said, same
1: facial expression, just going through the motions, screaming once or twice. I remember there was this one scene when he has to cry, but he has the same expression and they just put tears in his eyes. So it's just Bruce Willis being all stone faced and there's just tears down his face.
2: I actually read earlier that they wanted to cast Liam Neeson initially. Back in 2012, when the film first entered pre-production, they had the writer, they had the basic story they wanted to tell, but they didn't have Eli Roth yet, they didn't have Bruce Willis. And they wanted Liam Neeson, who has thrust himself into action films, ironically, after the death of his wife. Oh Um, yeah, I
0: guess that did happen in real life. In
2: interviews, he said, like, that's why he does it. Oh, really? Yeah, because he wants interesting. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that that would be interesting on a metatextual level, I think.
2: Maybe, though I, I think it'd just be the same Liam Neeson B-minus films. I liked the Taken movies. I think First one's good. What did you guys think of Vincent D'Onofrio in this because I think that his taste in in roles has greatly diminished since Full Metal Jacket. He's the kingpin. He's good as the kingpin. Yeah, I I guess, but I've seen him in a couple movies recently. He was in The Latest Rings, he was, like, a blind preacher. And in this one, he's the brother, and throughout the whole movie, I'm thinking, like, oh, the brother's got something to do with it. Like, the brother probably pissed off. I
0: think they were going for something like that, but I think the studio rewrote it at the last minute. That's the vibe I got, because you cast, like, a bigger-name actor, but... And then the ultimate villain just becomes some nobody who
2: shows up, unnamed, like, 20 minutes before the movie ends. That's another thing I wanted to talk about. There's a scene where the daughter, she's going home, and there's Bruce Willis, there's her. They get in the elevator with the head of the... The the main antagonist. Yeah, with the main antagonist. They go all the way down in the elevator, nothing. They leave? I'm blanking on what exactly happens. All I remember is what should have happened. What should have happened is they get in the elevator with the bad guy. When the elevator opens on the ground floor, it should be splattered with blood and the bad guy should be dead. But that's not what happens. I remember now, they leave and then the bad guy follows them home, right? Yeah,
0: with like a whole like little militia group. And then Bruce Willis goes to the store that day and buys a fully automatic machine gun, which, by the way, you can't do, contrary to popular belief. And he just has that, and he wins the battle.
1: I also really just don't think Eli Roth really cares that much about all the morality and the politics of the film. I would agree with that. I think that they might have been more studio mandated or something. I think he wants to do an action film where he could do some set pieces that are a bit extreme. It's not as extreme as his other films, but he has a scene where Bruce Willis is torturing a guy and it's pretty graphic. But that's like the only one, though. I wasn't expecting this movie
0: to be good, but no. Knowing Eli Roth, I was definitely expecting this movie to be much more exploitatively violent. Okay, it's like he's trying to sneak it in a little bit, but the studio is just railing him back.
2: Maybe for good reason. Might have been a more memorable film. His next film is an adaptation of a 70's gothic children's book. I'm gonna get it wrong, like the house with the Clock in its Oh wait, that's him? Yeah.
0: That's House of the Clock in his Really?
2: Yeah, with, with Jack, Jack Black. Black. With Jack Black. That's his next movie. Oh my
0: god. I'm looking this up right now. I don't believe
2: you. <laughs> oh shit, you're right.
1: Yeah, I just think that Eli Roth just doesn't care a lot about the more morality parts of it. He just like wants to like do weird stuff. Like there's kind of this semi satirical gun shop that's portrayed as kind oh, of that was, silly. That was really tasteless. as, as a person who He's
0: familiar with gun culture. That's that's a completely erroneous portrayal. Continue.
1: And Sorry. there's, like, this one scene where he's contrasting Bruce Willis loading a gun to him performing surgery with Back in Black by ACTC playing. and then... yeah,
0: yeah, that's another thing. That could have been, like, a dark, emotionally interesting moment, and then you ruin it by playing Back to Black. Like, what are you doing? And they try to revive the final shot from the original film with Charles Bronson but they play back in black again and it ruins it.
1: Moving on now to our final verdicts. I'll start. This film's pretty bad. Bruce Willis was not into it at all. It felt really edited and posed and they wanted to get rid of plot points and kind of made it more jumbled. There was no internal struggle to any of it. All of the politics are being discussed feel very external to the main plot of the film. It's pretty much a forgettable B-movie that has the same name as a very popular 70s movie.
2: Which was also a
0: B-movie. Come on. It was Dino De Laurentiis. And it was eventually acquired by Canon, the
2: auteurs of B-movies.
0: Okay, Elliot?
2: Well, this was not a good movie, as we've discussed throughout this whole podcast. Eli Roth shouldn't have done this film. It should have been like a Kwame Sarah or whoever does the Taken movies, because Eli Roth, this is just not his kind of movie. Like, he should go back to like, gory horror movies or maybe kids movies, we'll see. Mm -hmm. Bruce Willis does not emote at all. He's not really acting, he's just walking through the film occasionally shooting people i'm trying to think if there's any redeeming quality to this film and i can't really think of any yeah i would recommend not seeing this film ever if you can maybe if you watch all five death wishes and you're like i want to see what happens next maybe you see this film and you realize that you're done with the death wish franchise you don't need to see any more But if you don't like Death Wish and you don't like horrible films, then there's no reason to see this one. Marcus, what do you think? On that same tangent, look, people, if
0: you would like a Death Wish film, that takes its time, is executed in a mature way that flushes out themes and emotional investment worthy characters, I would suggest the original Death Wish film from 1974 with Charles Bronson. If you want the other end of that extreme where there's no attention or care paid to story or themes and you just want to watch Charles Bronson shoot every evil bastard in the seven block radius, watch Death Wish 3. That one's kind of fun in a weird, ironic, twisted way where they just didn't care and it's awesome. If you want a film that tries to lazily combine the two, but isn't insane enough to be fun and is too mild and boring to be worthy of emotional investment with confusing themes that aren't exactly fleshed out properly,
1: this is the movie for you? I I don't know why you'd want to watch that movie, but okay. Well, this has been Fresh Films, a production of the audio section of North by Northwestern. Check us out at northwestern.com. Check us out on Apple Podcasts. I'm Mark Carlano. I'm Marcus Galliano. I'm Elliot Kronzberg.
0: I see you.